Fellas, I really appreciate that. Dick has taken his coat off and sent me a note to take mine off. <laughs> you know, I am really impressed after 30 years of being remember the title of a sermon. That's pretty good there, Harold. It really is, buddy. Appreciate it a bunch. Good to have you guys. I can't sing a lick, can't play anything, but I cut my teeth on that kind of music. So I appreciate you coming. Really do. You know, I was just sitting there thinking, what a privilege it's been to be in so many churches over the years and uh, to meet so many great people. This church has played such a special part in my life. And I just thank God for you, folk. I really do. You're just one of the best congregations I've ever known. And I really appreciate it a great deal. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for what we've already heard. I feel like we could give the invitation and truly you'd be honored. I know what needs to be done. I can't do it. And so I'm asking you to, even now, move on our hearts, help us to be aware of your presence, to be sensitive to your commands, and to obey by faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Lord, changed my heart this morning about what to speak on tonight. I I want to share with you from what I think is one of the just, uh, it's a story you've heard ever since you ever began church in the the wee guys about a wee little man. Who is it? Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Turn with me to Luke 19. Uh, Just one little phrase just jumped off the page uh, this morning as I was looking at this and I just pray that God will use it to speak to our heart. Luke 19, verse 1, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not, for the press, because he was little of statue. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. When Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at your house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. When they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was going to be guests with a man that is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. I want to share with you just a few minutes. Successful, but not satisfied. We've got a nation of people like a bunch of cats drowning in milk. They've got everything that's supposed to make them happy, but they are quite miserable. What makes the difference? What, what makes the difference in our life? 
Uh, I've never seen but a few very wealthy people come to Christ. I have seen some. And I'll never forget one night I was in a revival meeting, and I didn't know this guy from Adam. I didn't know who he was. But I was in a meeting, and that week I'd heard uh, some of the people in the church talk about a guy that was so wealthy in the community and lived up on the side of a mountain, and I did see the house from a, quite a distance. It looked like you've been to the Biltmore house. It kind of looked like that. That's what it reminded me of when I saw it, and I thought, wow, he's, he's either in debt or got a lot of money. I don't know. Uh, but I didn't know who it was lived there. And I've wondered down through these years who invited him to church because I asked the pastor when he was talking about this wealthy guy. I said, does he ever come to church? He said, oh, no, he don't come to church. I think it was a Thursday night. God just sat down. You ever been to one of those services? I mean when he just sits down and takes over. And it was one of those times when the Spirit of God began to move and bless. And the pastor was so busy over here with people, I thought I'd help out a bit. I'll get on this side, and I was receiving some of the people. And a guy walked up to me, and he said, Preacher, he said, I've got enough money to buy just about anything in this world that I want. I've got all the gadgets you can dream of. He said, but tonight I realize I left the most important thing out. He said, I'd like to ask Jesus in my heart. It was that guy that lived on the mountain. Isn't that something? He was successful, but he wasn't satisfied. There's a lot of people in the Scriptures. Jesus said about a rich farmer. He, he had such a bump of crop, he thought he'd tear down the little barns and build bigger barns. And Jesus said, you're a fool because tonight your soul is required. You know, that might happen tonight to any of us. We're one heartbeat from eternity, and the only thing that's going to make a difference is knowing Jesus. Amen. The only thing. You need to be sure, guys. I want to see all of you there. And the only way any of us are going to get there is knowing Jesus. Not being a church member, that's good. Not being religious, being saved. We must know that we know Christ. And I pray tonight that if you're here without him, that even now you'll make up your mind. I'm going to give my heart to Jesus tonight. And I'll guarantee you, you're throughout all eternity, you'll never regret it. Amen. You know, we need to see what we look like. I don't know if any of you have ever read the story of Boris Blum. He was a Jew that was in a Nazi camp, uh, Lord, I don't know how many years. And when World War II was over... He and a, guy, a bunch of guys from that concentration camp, they were released. They were walking through the German countryside, and um, they found an old farmhouse that had been uh, vacated. Nobody lived there. They went inside to spend the night just to get a little rest. The only thing in the house was a, a mirror on the wall, and all of them stood in front of the mirror together, and Boris Blum had forgot what he looked like. He made a face in front of the mirror to find out who he was. You ever done that when you were shaving or something? You lay you know. You ever do that? And Forrest Blum said that night he couldn't believe the toll that those years in the concentration camp had taken on him. We often forget what we look like. We, we forget what we really need. I heard about a guy up in... The Lynchburg area where I'm from, he'd never been out of the county. 
And a bunch of his friends got together and got a bunch of money together, and they decided to send him to New York. They told him about all the new things that man had invented and how much man had come up with, and they wanted him to see the sight. So they bought him a ticket, put him on a, a train to send him to the Grand Central Station, and when the old guy, he was so impressed, he would buy the train ride. He didn't know they had all these things that he saw on the way, and when he got to New York and got off the train into Grand Central Station, he was absolutely blown away. He couldn't believe all the lights and the sounds and all that was happening. And, and while he was standing there just absolutely taking in the sights and sounds of Grand Central Station, a hole came in the wall. He had never heard of an elevator, much less seen one. And a little old lady, she... She hobbled on the, door, the elevator and the door shut and an arrow went all the way over and came all the way back with the lights blinking and the door opened and a beautiful blonde stepped out. <laughs> he said, well, I'll be doggone. If I'd have known about this contraption, I'd have brung the old woman. <laughs> that elevator didn't do that, did it? Sin has got us into more trouble than science is ever going to get us out of. We need a Savior. Jesus didn't come just to set a good example. He came to die because somebody had to pay the price for our sins. Somebody had to take the judgment that we deserved. It should have been you and I on the cross. And somebody that was qualified to be a substitute left the glories of heaven to come to this earth he did preach great sermons. He did great miracles. But he came to die. And while he was on the cross, he took the judgment of God upon himself. All the wrath of a sovereign God was released upon him. And the Bible says after the price had been paid, our Lord on the cross cried out, It is finished. He didn't say, I'm finished. He said, It's finished. And on the third day, when the devil and all the demons of hell tried to hold him down, he got up. And that same Lord is going to return in great power and glory. And we need to be ready. How can you be ready? By trusting his son. Or one day, if you don't trust him and ask him to be truly your personal Lord and Savior, you will face him as a, as a judge that will sentence you for eternity in a place separated from God. That's not popular in this world that we live in, but it's the truth. And we've got to get back to the place where we're willing to face the truth. We forget what we look like, just like Boris Blum. We forget what we look like. We forget about what we need when we come to the house of God. I heard about one lady, she had rollers in her hair and white cream all over her face and it was Monday morning and she heard the trash man outside and she was, thought she was too late to get her trash out and she jerked the window up and she yelled, am I too late for the pickup? He looked and saw and said, no, jump in. <laughs> Sometimes we need to see ourselves like we really are. You know, any time that we think we are superior or better than someone else, we are running on pride. Amen. There's just no truth in it. 
And God help us tonight as we just for a few minutes. I want you to see something about this story that I pray the Lord will use in our life. The Word of God says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. This was his last time in his earthly ministry of going through the town of Jericho. The last time. Several years ago, before Dr. Harold Smith passed away, J. Harold Smith, he was in Lynchburg, and I got a chance to hear him. I would always wanted to hear that sermon of his, three, God's Three Deadlines. And that night, Dr. Harold Smith, J. Harold Smith, preached that message. Uh, they advertised that he's going to preach God's Three Deadlines there at Thomas Road. I went over to hear that, and I'll tell you what, brother. I can see how God used him in that one message to lead literally thousands of people to Christ. As he talked about the deadline, if there was someone in Jericho that wanted to get right with God, they'd better do it this trip because he wouldn't be back. This was it. We don't ever know when that time is, people. We don't ever know. We don't know when the last time God's going to speak to your heart. And if God doesn't speak to your heart, I don't care how many aisles you walk down, you'll never get saved. God takes the initiative. He brings the conviction that we need, but he gives us a choice. Whosoever will, let him come. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. But we must call upon him in sincerity and faith, believing that Jesus died for us. But as we're willing to do that, he'll come in. And the Bible says he passed through Jericho. And the Bible said, I want you to see the story here. The Bible said there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. Here's a man that it's evident he was very intelligent, he was very successful, he had set out in life to be a rich man, he had reached his goal. But somewhere along the way, Zacchaeus realized, man, I haven't found what I'm looking. I just haven't reached what I really want in life. You see, prosperity had failed him. It had failed to bring into his life the fulfillment that he so longed for. It's failed anybody that's ever depended on it. It's not wrong to be rich. Uh, but if rich riches have you, and that's your God, it's going to let you down. How many of you, uh, in fact, I thought about tonight as Harold Group was up here singing. Um, how many of you remember the name of the old country singer Hank Snow? Remember that? Hank Snow made a pile of money. He's, he made a lot of great songs. His son, Jimmy, I heard the testimony years ago. Jimmy had just kind of been grown up in a home where he had a, a, a gold spoon, silver spoon put in his mouth. He had everything you wanted, but he, he let it lead him into a life of sin. He, he lived in immorality. He drank liquor all the time. He ran with wild women and loose women. And, and Jimmy Snow came to a place where he was so empty, he was absolutely so miserable, and he didn't know what to do. And someone one day shared with him the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one night after this guy had witnessed to him, Jimmy Snow went home. He was so miserable. And he went out in his front yard and fell on his knees and asked Jesus Christ to come into his life. And as far as I know, the rest of Jimmy Snow's life, he took a picture of that spot in his front yard and put it on his desk so he would never forget. That's where I met Jesus. Isn't that something? It's Jesus what we need. It's okay to have all these other gadgets and things. But if you get all of that and you leave him out, you lose. Jesus said if you gain the whole world and you lose your soul, brother, you are a loser big time. And there are no second chances. Don't get it in your mind that, well, I'll tell you what, if I don't do it now, I'll do it later. No, sir. 
This time on planet earth is a time that God gives us to get right with him and to ask Jesus to come in. We need to know him as Lord and Savior in our life. There's so many people today that, you know, the Bible says even in their laughter, their hearts are sad. We've got push-button entertainment today. Uh, we, we ought to have the strongest thumbs in the world. Kids sit around doing this all day. Grown-ups too, playing games. I see the kids in my church, they're sitting up. I said, I know what you're doing. You're not listening, you're texting. They don't talk to each other, they'll just text. I heard about a guy that went to see a doctor. He told the doctor, he said, doctor, he said, I'm so miserable. He said, I tell you, I'm just so miserable, I don't know what to do. And the doctor told me, he said, I'll tell you what, he said, um, by what we've talked about and what I've heard you say today, you don't need a pill. You need to be lifted up. You need something to cheer you up a little bit. He said, I'll tell you what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go down the end of the street. They're having a circus down there this week, and they've got the funniest guy I've ever seen. His name's Bozo. And he said, well, doctor, that's not going to help me. He said, why? He said, because I'm Bozo. <laughs> that's not the answer. But you know something else that Zacchaeus was searching for? He was searching for peace. Folks, I, I believe the world is killing themselves trying to find peace. Amen. Do you know the, the Bible teaches that when we receive Jesus Christ, we have peace with God, Romans 5. Peace with God. A sinner that deserves the fires of hell at peace with a holy God that is totally sinless and he is willing to be reconciled to us through the cross. We have peace with God. Amen. Philippians 4 says, as we receive Christ as Lord and then we commit ourselves to walk in his will, we have the peace of God. Isn't that good? Amen. The peace of God. I heard a lady say on the television, she's well known. She has all these things in the world and the, the guy on the program, he asked her, he said, if you could have one thing tonight, what would it be? She said, peace. Peace. You know what it's like to crawl down between the sheets at night and be at peace with God? I'm telling you, I don't know of a greater blessing in life than that. Man, to know when you go down to the, go into the bed and you know that if somebody pushes a button and blows the planet apart, you're all right. Isn't that something? The peace of God. Thank God for that. Zacchaeus was searching for peace. I love that story in the Scriptures when Jesus was with those disciples on the boat and the Word of God says the storm came up and they woke him up and said, Lord, don't you care? Don't you care? Jesus stood up on the bow of that boat and those winds and waves were about to sink the ship. And the word that's really used there, he says, hush, peace be still, hush, troubled heart. You ever had him to do that? Have you ever felt the peace of God? When the Lord says to your troubled heart, when you're so troubled by the things going on in your life, and God speaks and says, hush, troubled heart, hush. Thank God. Isn't that something? And then the fight for peace. God help us to understand, folks. Um, 
Zacchaeus wanted so much to be at peace with God. It took him a long time to realize this, but he finally came to a place where he saw his need. But you know what was hindering him when Jesus came to town? I read this story, and many times, look what it says here. The Bible says he sought to see Jesus, who he was. He'd heard the stories. Many of you have heard the story many times. You've heard the story. You don't know. I can't tell you anything you don't already know. You already know it. Zacchaeus had heard the story, and it was almost like a parade came to town. A bunch of people were with Jesus, crowding around him, wanting to hear his words, wanting to experience a miracle, and he's walking through Jericho on his way to Jerusalem to die on the cross, his last trip. And he couldn't see him. He was too short. His flesh is what was the problem. That's still our problem. You know, have you ever seen somebody that thought they were good enough to go to heaven? Well, I I'm telling you, it's not happening. I heard about a preacher who bought a parrot, and he cursed all the time. He, he couldn't get him to quit cursing. He tried his best to make that bird shut up. And he decided the only thing, the only thing he could do was just go ahead and kill him. And he was talking to a lady in his church about it. And she said, oh, no, don't kill him. She said, I've just got a saint of a parrot. And she said, it's a female. Yours is a male. This Mine's a female. And, and she said all the time, he, she just sits in that cage on the perch and said, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. She said, why don't you bring your parrot over to be with my parrot, and we'll see how they do. Maybe she can change him for good. They went in the other room and were hid watching. They put the old boy parrot in the cage with the beautiful girl parrot. He liked it. <laughs> he was on the perch, you know, doing that. They began to say things in the bird like, <laughs> you could tell he really was having a good time. And then all, they were just waiting for the word to come out of his mouth to see if he was changed. And then he spoke, he said, hi, toots, how about a kiss? And she screamed and yelled, hallelujah, my prayers are answered. <laughs> she wasn't a saint after all, was she? You know, it's a real eye-opener. It's, it's, it's an unveiling. It's a revelation when the Spirit of God opens our eyes to see our need and what we are. Amen. You don't care then who's going to be safe, what, or think about what. Amen. All you want to do is get right with God. Amen. I was in a service one night, and I have never in my life felt the Spirit of God so powerful. After that service was over that night, it was evident, brother, God was among us. And after that service, a friend of mine, he said, as we were walking to get supper, he said, I disobeyed God tonight. I said, what did you do? He said, God told me to raise my hand. I didn't do it. He said, we don't do that in my church. He said, but I'll tell you this. If he speaks again, I'll crawl down the aisle if he wants me to. You see it? 
Brother, when you see your need and you see what you are and you see how we are as sinners, you will not be ashamed to do what God says. You will rejoice. He gives you the chance. You will run for the opportunity to get right with Him. And God wants us to understand that just as Zacchaeus, he sought to see Jesus, but he couldn't for the press because he was little of stature. Don't you see something? He ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree. Um, there's a place that God will bring every person. I know of a couple one night that was in, in Texas. It was during a revival meeting. And God spoke to an old couple. They were there that night, and God spoke to their heart. They were already church members somewhere, not there, but at some church. They came that night just to be a part of the revival. And God spoke to their heart, and they realized they were lost. They needed to be saved. God spoke to their heart that night. During the invitation, they came up, and they were standing over here, and they began to get nervous. They thought, everybody's watching us, and I don't want to be here. Let's do it another time. And just as they started to go back to their seats and forget it, the pastor made a statement. He said, there is a place we know not where, a time we know not when, when God seals our destiny for glory or despair. I'm telling you, there's a place God will bring you. God will take whatever he's been doing for years and bring you to a place so you can see your need. It may be tonight for some of you. This may be the night when God will call you to make a decision. Only as the Holy Spirit gives us that want to, only as He speaks to our heart and allows us by faith to call on His name. And the Bible says that Zacchaeus came to that place. He sought to see Jesus and couldn't, and so he climbed up into a sycamore tree so he could see Him when He passed that way. That's up. I want you to see something. And when Jesus came to the place, thank God when he sets up those appointments. Amen. For me, it was an old chapel in Korea, and nobody else was there. But he showed up. Isn't that something? He shows up. And when he shows up, the Bible says, Jesus came to the place and he looked up and saw him. What Jesus saw and what everybody else saw was quite different. When Jesus looked up into the tree, he saw a searching sinner. He saw a man that was a sinner. He knew he was a sinner and he knew his need. Most of the people in town, when they looked up in the tree, they said, there's the sorriest man in Jericho right there. We don't want him in our church. We don't want him around us. He's no good. But isn't it good that Jesus sees us through his eyes? Amen. He sees you tonight. You may be here tonight and you've broken every law and commandment and sin. You've made choices that you know is bad. You don't have to have somebody to tell you. You know it. And you know tonight that if you died in this condition, your church membership is not enough to get you into heaven. You've got to be born again. Many, many years ago when I was uh, in school, I 
Joe Ballard. Anybody remember him? He used to be at Roxburgh Meadows. He was the plant manager. Joe was a Yankee. I'd had a chance to talk to him about the Lord on a few occasions, and I went out there one day, and I told him, I said, look, I need a job for the summer. He said, good, I'll put you to work. And uh, he said, where do you want to work in the factory? I said, the hot meal. He said, no, you don't. He said, you don't want to work in a hot meal. He said, I mean, it's hot back there. I said, oh, that's where I want to work. He said, why do you want to work in a hot meal? I said, because I just want to work back there. I don't know if I told him the truth or who or why I wanted to work back there if he'd let me do it. But that was a guy that lived at Longhurst that worked in the hot meal, and I wanted to talk to him about Jesus. I worked between the furnace and the acid pits all summer, sweating like I was going to electric jab. I talked and talked and talked to this guy about Jesus and being born again. I'll never forget it. After the summer was over, I went back to school, and one Monday I was getting ready to leave town. I was going out the Durham way. He was out there thumbing. I picked him up. Didn't think I'd made any headway in his life. He got in the car, and he said, You know, I'm glad you picked me up. He said, I've been wanting to ask you something. I said, What is it? He said, you talked to me all summer about being born again. He said, do you mean I have to die and come back? I said, do you know a man in the Bible asked the same thing? I said, he was a theologian, man. A theologian and probably an engineer. More than likely, Nicodemus engineered the waterworks of Jerusalem. But he was a smart, brilliant guy. But when Jesus told him you need to be born again... He didn't have a clue what he was talking about. And Jesus told him, Nicodemus, when you trust me, your spirit that is dead will come alive. Isn't that so? There is a real resurrection that goes on in the heart of a human that truly trusts Christ. You will leave here not the same person you came. You'll look the same maybe, but you won't be the same. He'll change your life. You'll be transformed by the power and the person of Jesus Christ. Isn't that good? I thank God for that. I want you to see something. Look at this. Jesus looked up and saw him. Now watch what he did. And said unto him. Jesus didn't speak to the whole crowd. They could hear him. But he spoke to him. When God speaks, the person sitting next to you on the pew won't hear it. But you'll hear it. He spoke to him. That's how the Spirit of God picks out those. Tonight is your night. J. Harold Smith, when he preached God's three deadlines, he told about how he had rejected the gospel and rejected Christ and just simply was not listening to God. And one night he went to a revival meeting, he heard the gospel, and J. Harold Smith gave his heart to Jesus. That night going home, I believe it with all my heart, I believe this is exactly what happened. That night going home, J. Harold Smith stopped at a stop sign, and two cars right in front of him hit and had a terrible accident. J. Harold Smith said that God spoke to his mind and said, J. Harold... If you hadn't listened to me tonight, I was going to spill your life's blood right here. You don't want to cross the deadline. He spoke to him. 
And the Bible says, he said, Zacchaeus, make haste. Something years ago happened here in this church, and I cannot, for the sake of it, remember who that person was. One night during an invitation, somebody here, I don't know, Donald, you tell me, was it you? Somebody here got, got right with God, and they kicked a woman's pocketbook. Was that you, Donald? Was it you? Who was it? Confess. Somebody here did that. <laughs> they drop kicked a woman's pocketbook, and I don't know if it's come down yet or not. I, that thing went sailing. <laughs> but you know what he was doing? He was making haste to get down to this altar. Isn't that something? You do business with God, you make haste. You don't put it off. You make haste. Jesus said, make haste, Zacchaeus. Don't procrastinate. Come tonight. Some of you know, and again, I've just been thinking about so many over the years, and many of you remember Travis Wade. Any of you know his brother, Lou? Lou was a professing atheist. I, I, I just, I really liked the old boy. And when I came home saved, I talked to Lou, and he's I don't believe that. I told Lou, I said, Lou, I want you to go with me to a revival meeting I'm preaching. He consented to go. It's over near Durham. That night during the invitation, there were several people that came to know the Lord. And when that service was over, the front door, there was about five or six steps going down. Lou was standing at the bottom of the steps. And when I walked out the door, he said, tonight was my night. I said, Lou, don't go home without doing this, buddy. Gave it to Jesus tonight. He said, some other time. I lost contact with Lou for a few years. This, I'm, not, I'm telling you the honest truth. I was coming through Roxborough to go to another revival meeting over near uh, Raleigh. I was driving down Main Street, and just as I got to Depot Street, there at the intersection of Main, God spoke to my mind and said, Go see Lou one more time. I knew how hard-headed he was, and I knew God knew. I said, Oh, Lord, listen. He won't listen. You go. I turned, and on the way going down Depot Street, I was praying, Lord, if, if he's with somebody, he will not talk. I said, have him alone, and hopefully out there in that old van of his. When I drove up, he was in the van. When he saw me, he grinned. He knew what was coming. I walked up to the van. I said, Luke, we talked a few minutes. I said, uh, Lou, will you do something for me? He said, yeah. I said, Lou, you know why I'm here, don't you? Yeah. I said, I'm going to tell you how to get saved. I'm going to tell you how to do it. And I'm going to leave. And I want you to do it. Will you do it? He said, yeah. I told him about Jesus. I told him how to call on the Lord. Told him the words to pray. I said, I'll see you later, Lou. I got in my car and left. One week. His daughter, Monty, called me. Daddy died. 
I said, Monty, when you get to heaven, you'll see Lou. <laughs> I have no doubt he's there. God knew what he was doing. I can't hardly wait to see the old hard head. <laughs> I love the attitude of those who trust the Christ. The other day I was watching the television and they were having a big old birthday party for a lady that was celebrating her 100th birthday. And uh, the reporter went over and he was talking to her. The press showed up and they had pictures of her and and uh, the guy asked her a few things about uh, the difference in life for the hundred years she had seen, all these changes. And, and she had just this great attitude about a hundred years old. And then the reporter asked her the question. He said, do you have any children? She said, not yet. <laughs> Don't you like that attitude? Uh, I mean, a hundred years old, she's still waiting, brother. <laughs> I love that. Look what happens here. For today, look at this. For today, I must abide at your house. The word abide here means I'm not leaving. Zacchaeus, I'm going home with you today, and I'm never going to leave you. We'll see old Zach in heaven. When the Lord comes in, he will never leave you. Now, he'll give you a counterfeit if he can deceive you and send you to hell. You can join a church and get religious and change your ways and think you're going to heaven. It doesn't work. You've got to be saved. And when you're saved, he comes in to live by his spirit. He seals the door and he will never leave you. I had one of the greatest experiences I've ever experienced in my life. I honestly, this was just, this was so special. I had a lady to call me and she told me, she said, look, there's a young man that I work with. He's dying of cancer, and will you go visit him? I said, I sure will. I got the name, the address. I went to this house that day, and I knocked on the door. A lady came to the door. She said, I'll show you to his room. I went with her through the house. There was a chair sitting by the bed for whoever visited, I guess, and I sat there with him and started talking to him, just pleasantries, and then I started to talk to him about the Lord, and he kept staring at me. I thought... I don't know what's going on here. He looked at me in all, all like a daze. He said, who did you say you were? I said, my name's Marvin Soup. He sat there just like a few seconds. He said, would you do a favor for me and get my Bible on the mantelpiece? I went over there and got that Bible, brought it right over, handed it to him. What little strength he had left, he, he turned the page, real, couldn't hardly move. He opened up the covers, what it was, this, like the second page. Would you look at this? I looked at it, and it was my signature. 
I said, how in the world did my signature get in your Bible? He grinned. He said, 20 years ago, I was 16 years old, and there was a pretty little blonde that went to a church where I lived. He said, and they were having a revival that week, and I went with her just to be with her. He said, and it was you. <laughs> he said, when you preached, God spoke to my heart. He said, I got saved. He said, I've never known a preacher before in my life. And I asked you to sign my Bible 20 years before. I didn't know the boy from whoever. He said, but preacher, because of that night, I'm getting ready to go on a big old vacation. He was dead within a week. I will abide. He will never leave you. He won't run off on you. When you stand before a holy God, he'll plead your case. You'll get in if you know him. I'm going to quit. If you're here without Jesus, make it right tonight. Don't depend on anything else to get you to heaven. Only Jesus. Jesus.